0: You know, as we're we're walking into a new season, uh, one of the things that we are, are endeavoring in the next few weeks to really tackle and to really get deep in us is, is to know God as He's revealed Himself, is to get to know God. And you may say, well, isn't that what we do every Sunday? Isn't, isn't that what we do in every service? We want to know God. And that's true. But we want to really spend some time digging in to who God says He is. You know, so often we're, we're saying, well, the problem isn't God. The problem is me. I need to know who I am. I don't know who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm confused about my identity and my place and my purpose. And I, so I need you to talk about me but really you'll never understand who you are. You'll never understand your place. You'll never understand your purpose until you understand him. He's the source of all of that. And when we know who he is, we, become, we begin to know who we are. It's by looking at him, it's by gazing on him that we're changed. And so the church in this day and age needs to know who God is. Not just who we want him to be or who we perceive him as or who we, we have been told that he is, we need to know God as He's revealed Himself. There's a great phrase that we use. It's called self-revelation. What that means is, is that God is the only one who can really show Himself. You can't figure God out by your own logic. God is so far beyond our logic. He is so much bigger than our intellect that the Bible says the wisdom of the world they, by the wisdom of the world they could not find God they could not know God that's what it says in 2 Corinthians it says by the wisdom of the world they could not know God you could only know God as he revealed himself by the spirit of God through the word of God to his people and so this is the important thing is that now we have a perf- we have the the word of God we've got the revelation of Jesus Christ and the bible says the glory of God is shown in the face of Christ you know it's it's Jesus that has shown us who God is is. And so, this is why it's so important that we don't take our own preconceptions of God and say, this is who I think he is. It's important that we say, God, who are you? And we look into his word where he's already said, this is who I am. And when we do that, not only will we have a proper understanding of God and a foundation on which relationship can be built, but we're also gonna have a better understanding of who we are. We were made in his likeness. We were made to glorify him. We were made to worship him. Our, Our entire creation, our entire purpose flows out of who He is. So how can we know who we are if we don't know who He is? That's the beginning. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the fountain of wisdom. That's where your wisdom's going to come out of, is knowing God, is honoring God, is reverencing God. And so today, we want to break down in the next few weeks, we want to break down some things that the scripture says about God. I don't mean tear down. I mean, break it down so that you can understand it. You know, a lot of times we hear the word like theology, and that's an intimidating word because a lot of times when people use the word theology, they use a lot of words that aren't in the Bible. they just you know fancier words for concepts that you may understand but when you hear that word you don't know what it is you you may understand through your study of the Bible that God is that Jesus came as fully God and fully man but you may never have heard the term the hypostatic union well that's what that means but you you know all of that sometimes could be so intimidating where someone says well I didn't go to Bible school or I didn't go to university so I, I don't want to dig into theology But really the word theology means the study of God. And you know, if you're honest with yourselves all your life, when you were made, when you were made aware that there was a God that loved you, you began the journey of, of knowing God and, and discovering God. In fact, He's known you before you knew Him. He knew you before you were born. And so it's not about God knowing you. It's about you knowing Him. And so when we talk about theology, so there's some things we're going to talk about that are theological concepts but we're going to speak them hopefully in a way where the spirit of God is unfolding and unveiling some things for you that divine revelation. This is my prayer for you, that God would flood your heart with light, that you would have revelation of some things maybe you've never known, or maybe some things you've asked questions and never understood. God wants to open those things because he wants you to know him. This is the greatest truth that we see throughout the scripture. One of the greatest truths is that God wants his people to know him. God is not trying to be so mysterious that you'll never know him. He wants to show himself to you. There's a great verse in Jeremiah where God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. I'll let you find me. He says, when you search for me, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. All throughout the Bible, he says things like that. I'm going to let you find me. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive. This is not a God who is saying no to someone who says, I want to know you. This is a God who is giving you an enthusiastic yes and an amen. I want you to know me. And here's how. So as we dig into the word, we're going to see how God defines himself. Here's the lie that some of us have believed. We've believed. That our best way to know God is just to figure it out for ourselves, is is to say, well, this is the way I feel, or, or this is what I've experienced. And, and though your experiences may be true to you, they, they, may, they may be entirely true and factual to you, you don't have the bird's eye view that God has. So I've been in plenty of situations where I thought I knew what was happening. I thought I knew what was happening. You know, have you ever been on an airplane and, and you feel something and you think you know the cause, but maybe you don't know any of it because to be honest, I don't know enough about airplanes and I, I don't know what the pilot knows and I don't know enough about the weather conditions. I don't, I may think I know what that shake means or that, that noise means, but really it's just my perception of what's happening, but God knows it. And so many times we've based our understanding of God, our understanding of our own personal history and, and history at large. We've based it on our limited perspective. You know, if you were to, to, to ask an ant what he sees of the world, that perspective would be would be very biased, very flawed, because that ant is looking at the world from a very limited perspective. Not only is he looking at the world from a limited perspective, he's understanding the world from a limited intellect. The The brain of an ant is not that big. Uh, you, you probably didn't need anyone to tell you that. In the same sense, think of our intellect compared to God's. Think of what you know compared to what he knows. Think of what you can see compared to what he can see. It's not even close. And so for us to just say, well, I think I'm figuring it out. I think I know God based on what I've experienced or what I felt. You know, those nobody's trying to take that experience away from you. But what God is saying is I'm trying to give you a more perfect understanding of who I am. Let me tell you who I am. There's a great verse in the book of Daniel. As Daniel is receiving this vision from God, he's prophesying about the, the end. He's prophesying about the way ahead future and the end times. And he says something about, about some deception that's going to arise, about, about you know, evil that's going to seem to take hold. And there's this verse in Daniel 11 where he says, through slick words, through, through elegant, smooth speech, that many people are going to be deceived and it says uh, one translation says polluted another one says turn towards ungodliness that there's going to be a lead, there's going to be leaders there's going to be a ruler there's going to be somebody that through smooth speech through knowing how to work the room turns a bunch of people to ungodliness pollutes a lot of people and and we we see that today you know Daniel's talking about a specific person but the bible says you know there's the antichrist as a figure in the bible as a as a, a real person in prophecy but there's also the spirit of antichrist and and the bible says there's many antichrists out there there's there's an antichrist spirit and and that's not something that that hopefully is a surprise to you that the world is at odds with God. You know, the, the, the world system doesn't line up with God's kingdom. And so they're gonna clash. And, and, and Daniel says, this is what's gonna happen. A lot of people are going to be polluted by this. They're gonna be turned to ungodliness. But it says in Daniel eleven thirty two, 32, but those that know their God will be strong and will take action. Another translation says, those that know their God intimately will be strong and do great exploits. So there is something that changes our action. It changes our bravery and our courage. When we know our God, something happens. We're not deceived, we're not polluted, but we're strong. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of us that, that weren't just born strong, that we, that we may not have thought ourselves as the strongest or the, or the bravest or the, the most fearless, but you know what? Through what Jesus has done, he has infused strength in you. If you'll if you'll say, I, I, I have received him and I am coming to know him, that knowledge of God is going to get rid of fear in your life. That knowledge of God is gonna bring faith in your life. That knowledge of God is gonna cause you to stand up against opposition and stand for something right because you know God. They'll be strong and they'll take action. They'll be strong and they'll do great exploits. I want to tell you a little story. In fact, we're going to read it about Moses in the Bible. Most of us know the name Moses. That's not um, a new name for you. You know that Moses is one of the most important figures in the Bible, uh, Moses was the one that, that, that is said to have written the first five books of the Bible. Moses is the one that led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, into the uh, right to the edge of the promised land. It, it was Moses that uh, stood up to Pharaoh, one of the rulers of one of the greatest empires and the most powerful empires in the ancient, ancient world. It was Moses who wrote down the law of God that, 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 that wrote this, the ways that Israel were we're going to follow. It was Moses that uh, is quoted many times in the New Testament. You know, uh, it was Moses that was seen as one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And sometimes we wonder well, what made Moses different? You know, did God pick Moses because he just happened to be a kid? that was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and was raised in the Egyptian palace? Is that why God used Moses? Because he was placed in the right place? But I think you'll find as you read through scripture that God didn't use Moses because he was in the right place. God put him in the right place because of something God had put in Moses, because of who Moses was. I want you to read this with me in Exodus. And in Exodus uh, chapter six, we see God... uh, first calling Moses to this to this mission of delivering, bringing deliverance and a message of deliverance to God's people. You may know the story that Moses had been raised, uh, first of all, he was born to a Hebrew family, but as Pharaoh was ordering that the Hebrew male children were, would be killed, put to death as soon as they were born, uh, Moses was sent away in a basket on the Nile, and he was rescued by a princess, by an Egyptian princess. Pharaoh's daughter found him, and that was God that orchestrated that whole thing. If you think that's coincidence, I don't know. <laughs> You've got to know that was God at work. And so Moses was raised in this in this palace, raised with privilege and power, but it was for a purpose. And then one day Moses saw his own people, saw the Hebrew people being mistreated and he saw one man being beaten and treated terribly. And, and Moses intervened and he uh, you know committed homicide. He accidentally killed somebody and he had to run away because it, he, he really that, you know, I'm not going to get off for this, that there's going to be consequences. He ran away and he lived in a foreign country for many years. He got married. He became a shepherd. And as he was uh, taking care of his sheep in the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere to you and I. Now, it's important now because this is where God talked to Moses. But at the time, not a place you'd look for greatness, not a place you'd look for royalty. And God shows up in a burning bush a bush that is on fire but the Bible says it's not being consumed it's on fire but it's not changing and so it gets Moses's attention and as he goes towards this bush he hears the voice of God and he meets with God and God tells him I've heard the cry of my people I've come to deliver my people and you're gonna be the guy that's gonna bring that message Moses is a little concerned because these people don't know him why should they believe me what's gonna give me credibility not not only that, but I'm a terrible speaker. Why do you want me, God? And, and he says this: Lord, when when you when you send me, whom shall I say sent me? I don't even know who you are. Whom shall I say has sent me? And God gives him this answer. He says in Exodus chapter three and verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, God said, certainly I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who've sent you. When you brought this people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? I mean, they may say that. This is Moses' roundabout way of saying, this is also my question. What's your name? Uh, we've heard different people talk about God. The Egyptians talk about several gods. And, and my people remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But, but what is your name? And what Moses is asking is for more. He's asking for for more of God. He, he, He says, I know a little of you, but I want to know more. He says, what shall I say your name is? And God says this. He says, I am who I am. He literally says, I am who I am. Or there is, there is a, a phrase, in, there's a name in the Bible that we sometimes translate Yahweh. Sometimes we read it Jehovah. But in reality, if you were to see it written down, it has no vowels. It's just these Hebrew letters that are, 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 you know, not meant to even be pronounced. And so when we say Yahweh or Jehovah that's our best understanding of of how we can uh, we can say it or we can read it uh, the 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 Jewish people wouldn't even use this name out of honor and respect they would say Hashim the name um uh, but, but, so when we say Yahweh we're saying this is God's name but even that doesn't do it justice each one of those letters had meaning each one of them when said together there was power in it he says and, and really he says I am who I am Whatever, I mean, the broadest possible uh, explanation of who I am, I am, I am. And so God, the infinite, is, is, is explaining to Moses, this is who I am, this is my name. He says, Call, you can say to them, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am, this is my name. God furthermore said to Moses, thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And, and when you see in your Bible, the Lord, and it's all capitalized, using all capital letters, that's that name, Yahweh, Jehovah. That's Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah, Lord. This is, this is a name that is so much bigger than our explanation. And he says, that's who you say sent you, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. He says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And he goes on to say, and I'm going to deliver you. But what Moses is experiencing now is a moment of God's self-revelation. In fact, later on, God says, I'm letting you know my name in a way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't even know. And what's interesting about that is, is that, you know, you may say, well, they didn't know the name Yahweh, or they didn't know that, but, but those names pop up in Genesis. And so really, you know, what he's saying is, I'm letting you know more of me than they knew. And I want to ask you a question. When you, first of all, do you wanna know more of God? And the second question is, well, how are you gonna know more of God? Like, how are you gonna get there from here to there? And maybe maybe your understanding is, well, if I just keep coming to church, I'm sure I'll learn about God. True, hopefully. I mean, we're going to preach from the Bible. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to teach and preach the gospel. You should learn about God. But, but there's learning about God and then there's knowing God. And, and, and the question is, it's, it, the Bible it tells us very clearly to know God is to say, who are you? And let him tell you who he is. That's why the word of God is so powerful. That's why the witness of Jesus is so powerful, because he shows us who he is. You know, today in this day and age, there's so many people that say, I don't really believe the Bible, but I feel like I know God. You know, I feel like I've experienced God. I, I feel like I'm drawing closer to God. I just don't believe the Bible. But but that makes no sense because what, what you're saying is I don't like the version of God that He's revealed through the through his scripture, through his word. I don't really like that version of God. I prefer my own version. And if you prefer your own version of God, you've become the creator. You've created God in your image instead of you being created in his image. And that's a dangerous thing. And it's a fall of, it's a folly. It's foolishness to say, God, let me tell you who I am. I've heard people say, I like to believe God is this way, or I like to believe that there is no hell. I like to believe this. Even as a kid, I I would hear that and go, I I don't know what relevance it has, what you like to believe. I mean, maybe I would say I like to believe that I live in a country where it won't get below 20 any time in the year, below minus 20. I I like to live in a country where where we're not going to have snowstorms or, you know, I like to live in a country where there's, there's this or that. But the truth is, what I like to believe has very little impact on what really is true. And what God is saying is, I wanna show you who I am. Because every time he shows you who he is, it's an invitation to deeper relationship. And God's word is that door for you. God's word is that door. And so, do I believe that God shows himself, that God still speaks to his people? There's a, there's a lot of, there's Christians out there that believe that God n- no longer is speaking to people. He's only speaking through the Bible, no other way. He, he will never speak to you in a dream. He will never speak to your spirit. He will never communicate anything to you other than through the Bible. Well, it's, It's funny because it's because of my belief in the Bible. It's because of my love for His Word that I actually believe that God still speaks to people because the Bible tells me that. The Bible illustrates that God is a God who does miracles, that God is a God who still speaks, that God is a God that that wants to be intimately acquainted with you and you with Him. I, I believe that and I believe that it is the Spirit that leads us and those that are led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. I believe that because of the Bible. And so I don't believe that, you know, it's it's just through the scripture that God will communicate. But at the same time, there's others that say, I kind of don't need the scripture. I know God on my own. And what you're saying is I reject God's revelation of himself. I reject him saying, this is who I am. You know, think of this question. Maybe you say, well, how do I trust the Bible One of the greatest things for me is to, you know, ultimately everything comes back to Jesus. Jesus showed us who God was. Jesus is the the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the one we look to. And, And you look at Jesus. Jesus didn't throw out the Bible. He didn't reject it, he didn't change it. In fact, he said, not one of these things will pass away. Not one of these things will pass away until it's all fulfilled. He said, I am not coming to abolish it, I'm coming to fulfill it. I am the fulfillment of the word. When he told people who he was, he used the scripture. He said the scripture was speaking of me. In fact, in John chapter five, he speaks to the Pharisees who have tried to find God through the Bible and through their own interpretation, but they've never really looked for God. They just have approached it intellectually. They've just approached it in this manner that, that rejects who God really is. And Jesus says in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. He says, I don't receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from another, and you don't seek the glory that is from the one and only God? He says, don't think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses. In other words, he says, the the one that wrote that scripture that you claim to live by that's the one that's going to accuse you. He says this. He says, in whom you've set your hope. For if you would believe Moses, you would believe me. Listen to that. If you would really grasp the scripture that Moses wrote down, then you would, you would believe me. You see, the Bible was, he says, God, I, God revealed himself through, through that scripture. God revealed himself through the word of God, but they missed the whole point. Jesus says, you think you're going to find life in the scripture, but if you cut me out of it, if you cut that relationship out, if you cut belief out and faith out, then you won't find me there. You'll only find dead religion. He says, if you believe Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you don't believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you don't believe that scripture, how will you believe me? And so Jesus is not saying throw out the Old Testament. Jesus is saying that speaks of me. I'm the fulfillment of that. that. That's what's supposed to lead you to me. Now, if the Bible was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If Jesus was able to quote and you and, and the apostles after him, not only able to quote, but to, to use that scripture as a foundation, then so can I. The Old and the New Testament alike. Now, we know that we're in a new covenant. There are some things that have changed in the Old Testament, and that's Clearly uh, uh, spelled out in the new, we have a foundation. Jesus says, those scriptures were showing you who I was. You know, it's in John chapter one that it says, nobody has seen God. No one has seen God, but Christ Jesus, the only begotten from the father. He has explained him to us. He has explained him. He has showed us who God is. And there's that cry in our hearts that say, God, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. Because knowing God is the invitation to relationship. You can't have a relationship with God if you're not willing to know God. And you can't know God unless he's the one revealing it to you. Think of this. Imagine you were a cartoonist. You ever, you remember when I was growing up, there were all these like animated things where where a guy would draw something and it would come to life on the page. You know, we were we were kind of that was a, a capturing thing that that he would draw something and it would come to life and in, and you know he would in some ways interact with his drawings. He'd poke him with the pencil or he'd erase something with the eraser. I mean, that was great as a kid. I loved it. Well, imagine that was real for you and you were drawing and you were creating a world that was in two dimensions. It was flat on the paper. Now you can see them, but they can't see you. Why? Because you're in, you're, you're perceived in three dimensions. So those two dimensional figures can't see off the page. They can only see across their plane. They can only see things on the same plane as them. They're in two dimensions. They can see this way and that way, that way and that way, but they can't see up. They can't see off the page. So you can see them. They can't see you. What if they were more than just your drawings? What if they were your creation that you loved? How would you communicate with them? What if you were able to communicate with them? And, and if through certain, certain of those creations, you, you spoke to them and they communicated your truth to others and, and they wrote it down and you interacted with them in various ways, but they never were really able to perceive you unless you made yourself known. And then what if you really wanted to show them who you were and explain your, your world to them. And so you became a two-dimensional figure and you entered their 2D world. What if you you as a 3D person entered their 2D world and told them about the reality beyond their reality and, and, and you showed them who you were and you explained to them how you had created them and you explained to them how you interacted with them and you tried to tell them about these other dimensions. What if you were that person? That's exactly or, or a, a, an instance of what Jesus did, an example of what Jesus did, where he became one of us. He emptied himself and became, took on the form of flesh and blood, entered our reality, entered our world. And so the Bible says nobody has seen God, but Jesus explained him to us. The Bible says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation all things were created through him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can know God through me. We've quoted earlier, the Bible says we can see the glory of God reflected in the face of Christ. Jesus showed us a 3D God in our 2D world. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God loved you enough that not only would he use would he come not only that he would send his son to show you who he is, the father would send his son to show you who he is, but that he would take on our sin and everything that had, had separated us from him, he paid the price for it, that we might be reconciled. I mean, what is the purpose of creation? What were we really created for? What's your purpose on the planet? You might say, well, it is to get people saved. It's to tell people about Jesus. It's to get them born again. And that is an amazing purpose. I, I, I say amen to that. I celebrate that. But if our purpose, if our prime purpose as humans was to preach the gospel, then what did Adam and Eve do? Because they were created before sin. Before there was a need to get saved, they were born perfect or created perfect The prime purpose of humanity was to know God, to love God, to have relationship with God, to give God glory, to worship God. All of these in one thing that they were created for fellowship with God. And in fact, the reason we have to preach the gospel, the reason we want to preach the gospel, the reason we live to preach the gospel is not the end goal that that we'd be saved from hell, but that we would be reconciled to God. And when we're reconciled to God, the gospel brings us back to that original purpose, which is to know him. Jesus said in John chapter 17, he prayed this prayer. He says to God, he says this is eternal life. John 17, three, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you've given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I've given to them and they've received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. He says that this is eternal life. This is the purpose. This is everything is that they would know you And Jesus said, my purpose on the earth was to make you known, was to show you. He says, I manifested your name. I showed them who you were. And I gave them the same words you gave me. I gave them that mission. I gave them that message to let the world know who you are, That to to preach that ministry of reconciliation through the cross and the resurrection, that people would be brought back to knowing God. Friends, you can know God and it changes everything. The only way to know God is to ask the right questions. Moses says, who are you? Paul said that when he was uh, persecuting the church, before he was a believer in Christ, he was a a religious man who thought he was doing God a favor by killing and imprisoning Christians. And he was chasing them down. He was hunting them down. He was bringing a posse with him to hunt them down and arrest them and put them to death. And he was on his way to Damascus to persecute and hunt down the church when he's knocked down by a light and he has spoken to in a loud voice. And his first response is, Lord Who are you? And it's the greatest thing that he could have said. It's the only thing that made sense. Lord, who are you? And that was the beginning of his journey because the response from heaven was, I am Jesus, whom you've been persecuting. Paul did not know God. And out of his, out of his wrong knowledge of God, because he thought he knew God, he thought he knew what God wanted. He thought he was doing what God, what pleased God, but he was so wrong. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 21. He says, all right, let's skip back. Well, he's talking about the persecution, the things that the world will do to the people of God. He said, they'll imprison you. They'll put you to death. They'll, they'll whip you. They'll do all these things. They'll betray you. But he says this in verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because of me, because they did do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me, Hates my father also. He says the reason they do this is because they don't know God. They don't know God. Romans chapter 1 tells us God made himself known through creation. He made himself known and everything that was made was made through him. He made himself known. But when we turned our back to God and we stopped giving him thanks, we grew further and further from that knowledge. And we began to say God is a created thing. We worship created things rather than the creator. And through that, in Romans chapter 1, it just details how everything fell apart. We were given over to the foolishness of our own mind. Uselessness, wastefulness, sin and immorality and every type of perversion. It started because we turned away from the knowledge of God. Today, you can know God. And I want to invite you on a journey with us to know God. God. In the next few weeks, we're going to dig in to different characteristics and aspects of God. There's no way we could ever fully explain Him. But I just want to open some doors and windows through the Word of God for you to understand God. Many Christians have a really elementary understanding of God. They've never really dug any deeper than the surface. But these are the days when we're going to have to know who God is. Not just intellectually. But with all our heart soul mind strength we are going to we're going to need to know him and love him and guys that's the foundation of everything good in life and I want to share this with you that Moses said to God and and I want to leave these thoughts with you because I think if, if if we were to leave with this thought and to see why Moses was a man that God could use it was because he asked the right questions and he had the right heart and desire for God it says in Exodus chapter 33, it talks about this place called the tent of meeting where God would come and meet with Moses. And Moses would come in and his his young helper, Joshua, would come with him and just stay in the presence of God. And it says, it came about, this is Exodus 33, 8, it came about whenever Moses went into the tent, went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. And whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, then all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, to Yahweh, see, you say to me, bring up this people. You're telling me I need to lead these people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you've said, I've known you by name and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, I beg you, if I've found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. Let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Let me know your ways that I may know you. Another translation says, let me know your ways that I may walk with you. Let me know your ways. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me how you how you think. Moses is still asking the question, who are you? Because it's a question that will never fully be answered, and that's the best news, is that God is always inviting you into a deeper relationship, as long as you're still saying, God, who are you? Whenever you pick up your Bible, I don't care if you have a grade three education, or if you are university educated with a doctorate degree, I don't care what level of education you have. If you will open this book, or you will listen to it in audio form, whatever, and you will say before you open it, God... Show me who you are. Open this word to me. Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. Lead me and guide me into all truth. That's what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will do. And when you ask, you'll receive. And he's going to show you who he is. Moses says this, I want to know your ways so that I can walk with you, that I can know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider this, this too, that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't lead us up from here. I'm not going without your presence. For how then can it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you've spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses pushes it, and he pushes the envelope, and he, and he says, if I got that, I'm going to ask for one more thing. He says, God, show me your glory. And God said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion." But God said, you can't see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about that while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back but my face shall not be seen. And so Moses obeyed the Lord. God brought him to this place and showed him his goodness, his glory. Do you see that God didn't argue with Moses? Because he saw that Moses was asking from a sincere heart. And when Moses gets one answer, he just keeps pushing. Lord, if, you'll let, if you say you're going with us, show me your glory. Lord, show me your ways. I want to know you. You want to know why God used Moses? God didn't use Moses because he was in, the, in a position right in the palace. God put Moses in the palace because of the heart of Moses. That's a guy God can use. That's, that's a person God can use and that's what God's looking for. Maybe you're like Moses and you say, I'm not brave enough. I'm not a good speaker. How can God use me? I don't have the skills. I don't have the, I don't have the bravery, the courage, the faith. I don't have any of that. All of those things come from knowing him and i'm reminded of when john the apostle was on the isle of patmos exiled away from all his friends and family and church and he's in quarantine on an island a prisoner island working hard as an old man on the lord's day he was in the spirit and he sees jesus and jesus is so different. From the way he sees him now, it's so different from the Jesus he knew on the earth. Jesus is now glorified. His eyes are like fire. His hair is like white wool. His, his, His legs are like bronze that's been in the fire. He is a scary sight to behold. And John falls on his face like a dead man. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. I was dead, but now I am alive. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Here's who I am. You notice Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid, you're man enough for this. Don't be afraid, be be strong, be be brave. Jesus says, don't be afraid, here's who I am. Because it is that revelation of Jesus, it is that revelation of God that will dispel fear in your life, that will dispel all the things that have caused you to be be timid, cowardly, and all of these things that, that I've been to. But when we look at him, we're changed by him. And God is asking you today, do you want to know me? And I pray that you'll join us on this journey to say, who is God? God, who are you? We want to know you. I can tell you in 2021, this is one of the most important issues we'll ever face, is a church that knows their God. A church that does not know their God will be shaped by other things. They'll be shaped by culture. They'll be shaped by their nation. They'll be shaped by the situation. They'll be shaped by the, the evil and all these other things. They'll be shaped by the circumstances and the people around them. But if they know their God, they'll be molded by Him. They'll be infused with His strength and His life and His love. Too many of us have said, well, I've learned enough. I've, I've heard enough. I've searched enough. But could we have the heart of Moses that says, I'm not done. I'm not done. I want to know you. Could we believe when Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they would know you? God is presenting before you an open door. Will you walk through it? It's an open door of revelation. Will you walk through it? He's opening a door of revelation to you. He's saying, here's who I am. Seek and you will find. Knock and you will, the door will be open to you. Ask and you will receive Jesus said, I've been standing at the door knocking. If anyone comes and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. That's the promise. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would be knocking at the door of his church, knocking at the doors of our hearts, and we would say, we're too busy, or we've got something else going on? I believe God is knocking on the doors of our hearts. God is knocking on the church of Lloyd Minster. Jesus himself is saying, I want you to know me greater. Because those that know me, will not be deceived. Those that know me will not be afraid. Those that know me will be strong and do great exploits. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've invited us into a revelation of who you are. You've said, this is, who, this is my nature. This is my name. This is, these are my ways. These are my loves. These are the things that that, are, that I despise because they kill people. These are the things that I, I, I want you to have. These are my people are called by my name. And Lord, today we respond to your voice, your voice that has been calling us saying, know me, come to know me, see me, behold me, love. Lord, we're, we're listening. And today we ask you that you would uh, remove the blinders off our eyes. You would remove the scales off our eyes and the dust off our hearts. That you would soften our hearts again, that we would be able to receive you, not just to intellectually know you, but to know you in every way, to believe you in every way. Here we are at the beginning of this journey. For some, it's a continuation of a journey they've been on for a very long time. But in every journey, there's new beginnings. So Lord, we're saying, here we are. Reveal yourself to the Word Church. Reveal yourself to Lloyd Minster. Reveal yourself to Loon Lake. Reveal yourself to your people, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.